Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you all have had a uh, good weekend thus far as we continue our time in worship together. Uh, we are doing a series called Long Story Short, and it's, it's more of a teaching series, really. I mean, there is preaching involved, but what we're doing is we are walking through the Bible uh, and taking a look at how it's constructed and what each of the sections mean. You know, what, what is God trying to tell us in these different parts of the Bible? And so today, we're going to be looking at Micah, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. He is one of the prophets. And so our passage today will be coming from this, so please listen as the word is read. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this passage uh, will lead us into the prophets here in a moment. But I want to tell you a little story about a trip that I took that really impacted me when I was younger. I was in the sixth grade and my dad was a pharmaceutical sales rep. And so they would have these conventions all throughout uh, the country every summer. And we would make that like a family trip when he had a convention. We'd go with dad and We'd have fun, and he'd stay in the convention hall all day, and I'd always come back with a bunch of pens and pads from all these different pharmaceutical companies, and I took all those to school all the time. But we would go on these excursions as Dad was doing conventions. We went to San Diego one year. That was out west. I've never been out west before, and we also got to fly to San Diego, and I never really got to fly before, so all that was quite an experience to go out there. And we got lucky on, on the second leg of the flight. They had availabilities in first class. And they let us move up to first class. And I've never done that. So I had the very front row. And I could put my feet up against the wall there and watch the movie. And, you know, I, I was living high on the hog, I thought, as a sixth grader. Flying first class to San Diego. Well, of course, when you go to San Diego, you got to go see the zoo, right? So we did the San Diego Zoo. Saw the panda bears and all kinds of cool things over there. Uh, we had to go to Coronado Island, of course, and see the beaches and see where they filmed one season of Baywatch, and they had the lifeguard tower there. That was kind of cool as well. But we would go walking around the city of San Diego, beautiful weather. I laughed when I saw the weather forecast, the seven-day forecast from the hotel. It was 76 degrees, sunshine all the time. That's their standard weather in San Diego. It's perfect. But uh, we decided to go into town, walk around, go to Hard Rock Cafe. There was a Planet Hollywood when those were still open. We did all that, and uh, my parents gave my sister and I an allowance to buy souvenirs at these places. And so I had you know, a little bit of money walking around, and there was on the street a fortune teller. I said, oh, this is kind of cool. I've never had my fortune told before by what looks like a professional fortune teller on the streets of San Diego. And so I begged my parents, please, please, please. And they relented. They said, fine, just go. And, it's, you know, they know it's like, you know, it's all fake. It's not real, all this. I was like, I know, I know. I just want to see. So, of course, you know, she had her booth set up and had the little cards. And she did the card readings to tell me my, my fortune and future. She read my palm and said, oh, yeah, you've got a long line here. That means you're going to live a long life. And, oh, this line's real close to that one. So you're going to be really, really rich. When you get older and all this cool stuff, I was like, wow. She, I mean, she made me feel like my life was just going to be awesome when I turned 18 and become an adult. 
I was so amazed. I took out the money that I had for my souvenirs. And I just gave her all of it. And my parents were like, no, don't do it before that. She just took it and said, thank you very much. It was $50. I paid her $50 to tell me that I was going to be rich and famous one day. So there you go. Um, but going to that, that, that story there just made me think, you know, fortune tellers and future tellers, they're, they're fun or whatever, but it's not real, right? It's not real. And a lot of people, when they get to, in the Bible, and they get to reading about prophets, and we hear the word prophet, sometimes you think they're future tellers. Well, no, they're more than just future tellers, and sometimes that's not what they're telling you. They tell you all different kinds of things in Scripture. And when you read the Old Testament, a lot of times people would misunderstand what the prophets would say. Uh, even the, the people of, that were following Jesus around didn't fully understand the prophecies about the Messiah. Okay? Some people thought the Messiah didn't have to die. The Messiah was going to be this worldly conqueror. They misunderstood the prophecies of the Old Testament. So they're even confusing at times. And so that's where we're going today. Today we're going to be looking at the, the books of the prophets of the Old Testament. The last section of the Old Testament there. You know, we started off looking at the law, the first five books... Then we moved over into the history and the wisdom books. And now we're here at the prophets. You've got the major and the minor prophets. And so what is a prophet? What is a prophet? If it's, if it's not like that fortune teller on the street, what does a prophet do? Well, that brings me to what I've got for us today. What I believe what a prophet does for a lot of us, it takes things, they take things, and they take things that are blurry and they crystallize it into a message from God for us to help us see clearly. That's what a prophet does. It speaks on the behalf of God and helps us to see where we are and what God is trying to tell us. And so when you look at the Bible and you get to the Old Testament, you have about 17 books that are attributed to prophets, the major and the minor prophets. You have five major prophets. If you have your Bible or Bible app there, you can get open up and take a look. But the first five major prophets start with Isaiah, go to Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Okay? Why are they called major? Why are the other 12 called minor? It's not because there's some that have more importance than others. No. It's just simply based off of how much material there is. Jeremiah has a lot of material. It's a bigger book. Okay? As you go to the minor prophets, some of them are just a couple pages. All right? That's the only distinction between a major and a minor prophet. They're all important. It's just that the length of the books are different. And you know, when you read the Bible, that you begin to see that there's also some false prophets out there. And false prophets trick people a lot. There is a, a scene there with, between Elijah and a prophet. They had 450 prophets of the Canaanite god Baal. And they had this showdown that was really epic. Go back and read it, okay? It's in 1 Kings. But what Elijah demonstrates is that he's the one that speaks on the behalf of the true God, not the false gods. He's not a false prophet. And so when you go into looking at the prophets and what they do and, and what they say, you begin to understand them a little bit better. When you look at Isaiah, let's start with Isaiah. When you look at Isaiah, it makes significant claims about God's judgment on the nations of the world and Israel for their oppressive practices and rebellion. But it also begins to introduce in Isaiah a servant who suffers on behalf of those he came to rule. 
And so many people, when you look at the New Testament, many people can see the prophecies of Isaiah connect to Jesus Christ. That when they mention these things, they're mentioning our Messiah, Jesus. There's about 300 plus references to the Messiah in the Old Testament that Jesus matches exactly. The, the, the statistics on how one person can do that is out of this world. It only points to the truth of who Christ really is. Jeremiah gives warning to the people of Jerusalem about the disaster their sins will bring upon them, but also anticipates the hope in God's ability to redeem and restore. Ezekiel takes a priestly approach to prophecy, warning Jerusalem of the coming destruction of the temple, but also foretelling a day when the glory of the Lord will return to Israel and bring life back to the broken land. And so you begin to see that these prophets, what they do is they make connections to the past. They remind the people of God of the promises in the Old Testament of the law, Genesis, Exodus, all the promises that God made. But it also gives them warnings of the present, of how they're falling short, on how they're not following God truthfully. They try to wake them up. And then they say, if you do not and continue, there is a path of pain ahead. That there will be some painful times ahead if you continue on this path. So they begin to show you what's going to happen in the future. But they also give you the hope of that God's redeeming grace will be there. And so a prophet's just more than just a future teller, right? They tell you so much more. And what they do is they begin to show you the connections and the love that God has for us. And they speak on behalf of God. Before Pentecost happened, the prophets would speak with the Spirit of God. They kind of had a direct connection to the Spirit and what God was saying. And then would go and tell the people. But then when Pentecost happened, the Spirit was let loose for all of us to benefit from. So we all have that direct connection ourselves. But the prophets were real important because Pentecost has not happened yet. And they were the ones that had that connection. And so they were real important. Kings would surround themselves with prophets to make sure they were doing what God wanted them to do. But we also had to be careful about the false prophets. The ones that would lead us to false gods. That would give you basically bad information. And that would lead you to separate yourself from God. And when you look at the books of the prophets, it all boils down to this Micah passage. This Micah passage pretty much sums up what the prophets are trying to do. It says again, Has he told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? See, Micah was a prophet of Judah during the divided kingdom time of Israel, because Israel was divided at one point, it's 8th century BC, and King Hezekiah was the king of Judah. And what Micah is doing here, when you read the passages before and after, he's laying out a scene that resembles a courtroom scene, where you have the people that are on trial, which are God's people, and the plaintiff is God with his lawyer Micah. And it has this scene that where it plays out, where God's people are telling God, what more do you want us to do? We are checking all the boxes. We believe we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But then Micah says, wait a minute. You're to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. 
that is what you're supposed to be doing, then that's where you're missing the mark. And so what does that mean? Well, Kate talked about it in her children's message a little bit about how we're to love everybody. And that's part of the passage, and that's part of what the prophets are telling us to do. Despite our differences and despite who other people are and who we are, what God is telling us through the prophets is, is a reoccurring theme all throughout Scripture is to love your neighbor, to do justice, not the criminal court you know, system way of doing justice, but doing justice where you're showing God's grace and mercy to those around us, those that the society looked down upon, we are to elevate and bring them up. That's God's justice, showing grace and mercy and bringing those up. Then you have walk humbly with your God, which is the other part of what the prophets are trying to tell you to do. What does it mean to walk humbly with your God? How do you do that? Well, part of the way you do that is that you worship, that you put your full faith in God. You don't put your faith in other things. The prophets were always warning the Israelites, and even us today, to don't, not put your 100% faith in things that are not of God. What are your idols, right? The ancient uh, Israelites would worship uh, multiple gods sometimes, and that would get them in trouble with the one God because they're like, you know what, God, we trust you. You got this, but we're also going to pray to this God of, of grain, because we want to have a good harvest just to kind of, you know, cover our bases. But you're, you're still it, God. You're still it. Or we're going to worship this other God of prosperity because, you know, we know you got this, but we just want to cover our bases and worship this other God. And the prophet's like, no. When you do that, you're not putting your full faith in the one God. You're telling him that you don't fully trust him and that you don't have hope and you don't believe what we're trying to tell you here. Well, that happens to us today. Now, I know many of us may not erect golden calves in our homes and worship them at nighttime, okay? I, we get that. We, we understand. But idols are more deeper than that. Idols are things that what we put our faith in, okay? So it should begin to click that idols can be other things other than a golden calf in your living room, okay? You can put your, your idol and faith in your gifts and graces that you can work through a problem, that you don't need God, that you've got this. You can put your faith in your possessions and say, well, if I have enough possessions, if I have a, a nice enough house or enough money in the bank, I'm okay. You know, I really don't need to put my full faith in God. Or I've got connections. I know people. I know this person. I know that person. If I'm in trouble, I'll just go to them and just put God on the back burner. Those things that are not necessarily a golden calf that you'd sit down and worship at night, but those things can become your idols. And that will get in the way of walking humbly with your God. That will also get in the way of loving your neighbor. When your full focus goes to your idols. It could be your job. It can be whatever. It can be things that will pull you and distract you from what God is calling you to do. And these prophets are giving the warnings to the people and also to us. That's why it's so incredibly important for us to read the prophets of the Old Testament. Because they challenge us. They are opening our eyes as well to what we put before our Lord. It's real hard to get up on Sunday mornings and come to worship. I get it. But we're called to worship our Lord. To give back to Him. To put our full faith in Him. To show our love for Him. I know it's real hard to probably go and do that mission trip. 
but we're called to go and serve others, to put our idols away. It's a reoccurring theme all throughout Scripture. Going back to the law and the Ten Commandments, and when you break them down, those Ten Commandments, the first four are all focused on worshiping God. The last six are all about serving others. And so it makes no surprise when they ask Jesus in the New Testament, what is the greatest commandments? And he tells you, first, love your God with all your being, and second, love your neighbor. He took the Ten Commandments and gave you the cheat sheet on what it means. And then when you look at the history, the history books of the Old Testament, again and again it's showing you how God comes through for his people. Yes, he gets upset with them. Yes, he gets disappointed with them. But he still loves them and brings them through in the end. There's pain along the way, but he still shows his faithfulness despite our unfaithfulness. And then you get to the prophets that give us the warnings that makes the connections of the promises of the old, where we're going astray, what could happen, but where the redeeming grace lies. These are things that are reoccurring themes all throughout Scripture, and then it culminates into Jesus Christ, who's the living image of all of this. The representation of God's love and how we are to love others. It brings this blurry image into a finer focus. That's it. Now it sounds easy, but boy, is it hard to live out. Because life comes at you fast. Life can throw you curveballs. You don't know what's around the corner, but you know who's going to be there every step of the way? Our God. Every step of the way, He is with you, never abandons you. And He is there and wants you to lean on Him first. He wants you to put his full faith in him because we put him number one in our lives, not this other stuff, not this other stuff. And that is hard. It's real hard at times. And he understands that. He knows the temptations and the challenges we face because he came down through the flesh and lived with us and felt pain on the cross. And so he's a God that also knows how we feel. He has joined us and left his earthly throne to be with us. And we celebrate that. And this is why it's so incredibly important that we read our Bible. It starts there. It starts there. It unlocks the truth for us. But if we never open it, or if we only read just fragmented verses, we miss the big picture. We miss the big picture. And yeah, it's intimidating to sit down and open up your book and go with Genesis, and before you get there, you're in Leviticus, and you're like, this is too much, y'all. It hits you hard real early. But you've got to stick with it. There are other ways to read it than just going straight through it. If you need to know reading plans, I've got them. I'll give them to you, where you can read pieces of the Old Testament and read pieces of the New Testament, and it allows it to unlock itself further. But it is a book that's meant to be dived into, to wrestle with, but we've got to know what's in it. We've got to know how it's constructed and why it's that way and what it's trying to tell us. Because it's really good news, y'all. It's really good news. It's an honest book full of real human struggles. And our story is also part of that as well. And so what these prophets do for the ancient Israelites and what they do for us is that they speak life into it and they bring it into a finer focus. For us. 
And so as we go through this week, as we focus on what Micah is telling us here and what the prophets are telling us, sit down, do an evaluation of your life. Be honest with yourself. Who are your idols? What are your idols? We all got them. If none of us had them, then the prophets wouldn't be speaking out against them. But first things first is to find the awareness of what your idols are and put your faith not in that this week. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in our Lord. He wants you to do that. He's got this. So why don't we release what we're holding on to and release the idols that we are worshiping and put our full faith and trust in him this week. Let's see how that impacts and changes our life. Let us pray.